0: Welcome to Grace Family Church. We are so glad you decided to check out our podcast. Our prayer is that this teaching from Pastor Tommy will encourage your faith and lead you towards the greatness God has planned for you. Thanks again for listening. We hope you enjoy this message.
1: Father, we love you. Thank you that you love us. That you are thrilled that we showed up this morning. You're overwhelmed with joy because we showed up this morning to worship you. And we just love you with all of our hearts. We declare that you are a good father. We declare that your love is real and we receive that this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Aren't you grateful for Jesus? Aren't you grateful for a good father? Amen. Well, turn to somebody and tell them how good he is and you can be seated. Praise the Lord. God is a good, good God. Amen. We're so glad you made it out this morning, and uh, just believing for good things for you. Happy New Year to you, everybody! Say Happy New Year, Happy New year. Amen. The last day of 2023 and 2024, the click of, click of midnight tonight, it moves to 24, and uh, you know time flies. You know uh, people say this all the time, but the older I get, it seems like the closer the years, the end of the year and the start of your get, um, and so time flies, which means that uh, if it keeps on flying, Jesus is coming soon, Amen. Amen. So happy new year to you. Glad you made it out to worship with us this morning. We love you. We're praying for you. If you have any prayer needs or prayer requests, uh, please make sure you let us know about those. Um, just uh, you can do that a couple ways on the seat back in front of you. There's a card or you can go online to do the same. I, I would ask you to keep up uh, Buzz and uh, Sherry Bowley. They're typically here on Sunday mornings. They lead our altar co team. They've been out the last couple weeks because of some COVID symptoms. And so uh, uh, it's not serious or anything like that, but they just felt like it was important to stay out. But keep them in your prayers. We, we're looking forward to seeing them back hopefully by next week uh, but man if you have a prayer need god loves you he's a prayer answering god and we want to be praying for you amen amen well listen we want to worship god with our giving right now this is your last opportunity to give in 2023 if uh just to let everybody know some logistics um uh, about mid-January, we'll be sending out your giving reports, and so it's important that if, um, if if you've given to Grace and you use that at the end of the year for your tax returns, uh, which is a great blessing in this country, we can do that. Make sure we have the proper email address for you. If we don't have your email address, Uh, then you won't get those. We send those out via email, and if we don't, and you don't have one, you can certainly let us know, and we'll print one off for you. You just need to let one of our ushers know or or me know, and we'll make sure we get that to you. But if you uh, would like to make sure you get it via email, that's the quickest way to get it. Uh, just even on the, maybe on a prayer request card, just turn in your uh, email address and we'll make sure we put that in the membership software for you. But uh, last chance to give this year. uh, And so we're gonna take an opportunity to do that. I wanna encourage you just to use this as a moment for worship, not a moment to just give, right? It's an opportunity for us to do just what we did with our words, but to do it with our finances. And so let's, uh, if you're giving by check, you can make it to Grace Family Church. They're offering envelopes and ways on the screen for you to give, but let's pray and believe God uh, that he meets the needs of the church and he meets your needs as well. Amen Father we come to you right now in the name of Jesus and we thank you so much that you're a need meeting God and that uh, you always show up maybe not always when we expect it but you always settle up with us even in the area of our finances so I thank you that as we give in accordance with your word we're we're saying we put our trust in you we recognize you're our provider and in doing so that faith is causes you to go to work behind the scenes to set us up for success. So I thank you for success, raises, jobs, promotions, increase, whatever is necessary for needs to be met and for an abundance to be left over to support and give to your kingdom. And so we give you praise and thanks for that, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. All right, we want to dismiss our, uh, our first through fifth graders with Joe. Everybody let Joe know we love him. Amen. Stand to your feet with me. Let's meet and greet for a little bit as our kids are headed out to first, fifth graders, and uh, then we'll jump into the word here in just a moment. Amen. First of all, uh, everybody say this Wednesday night. So this Wednesday night, uh, Patrick Sutherland will be here to minister to us on Wednesday night. Um, He was scheduled to be here... Uh, about a month or about two months ago and due to just really some uncontrollable circumstances he couldn't be here so Doug McGee came up and ministered to us but you know I always think it's important to try to get different ministry gifts and individuals in to minister to us and so this Wednesday night uh, at seven o'clock Patrick Sutherland will be here so I would ask you because we're bringing a guest in even if you normally wouldn't come on a Wednesday night try to make time to come out for that, because I think you'll be blessed by Patrick and what he has to share with you. And then also coming up on Friday, January the 12th at 7 p.m., Friday, January the 12th, is our next upper room meeting. Sam will be having that meeting where you come in, and it's just an opportunity for us to seek the Lord and set in his presence he always encourages you to bring your bibles but that'll be on friday night january 12th always a sweet time in the presence of the lord so make sure you make it out for that okay um i want to go ahead and continue with the series i've been teaching god's gift of love and today i want to talk to you about happy god happy new year everybody say happy god everybody say happy new year and we're going to talk about that today first john chapter 4 verses 7 and 8 is our foundational text for this series and we'll read this we'll pray then just trust god with me that um will convey exactly what it is the Lord wants you to hear this morning. Amen. First John chapter four and verse seven says, beloved, let us love one another for love is of God and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God for God is love. Let's pray before we get started. Father, thank you so much. That you do love us and that you are a God of love and I thank you that as we approach your word today and as even as we look into 2024 that we would enter this year with a fresh and, and just wholesome and truthful perspective of the God we serve and so I thank you for your presence resting upon me enabling me and helping me to minister your word beyond my own ability (laughs) To convey truth beyond my own understanding and thank you father for grace and truth being deposited in the hearts of each person here So that when we leave here today, we can honestly say I'm better because I came to church today I'm closer to God. I understand him better. I'm more equipped to help others And so father I thank you for that taking place in Jesus name Amen. All right. Uh, we've been talking about really in this series. Um, you know, understanding and knowing God. And this, this series really was fo- is a follow-on to a series we taught really throughout the summer and the entire fall on the fact that we as individuals need to be people of love. The Bible teaches us we should walk in love and show love to others. But what this verse says is that is that we cannot walk in ca- that kind of love and be That kind of love, you know, you can try to do it, but grow weary in it, but we can't be that kind of love unless we really know God, we experience him and we know him for who he really is. And so what we've been doing really in this series is, is, as we've moved through it is just doing our best to take a look at who is God? What is he like? Uh, uh, do I have a proper image of him in my heart? And what we've been doing is going to 1 Corinthians chapter 13 to really understand who he is. Because that verse we just read in our opening text says, God is love. In 1 Corinthians 13, we find the definition of what love is. Or it may not be uh, all-inclusive, but it's pretty all-inclusive definition of what love is. And we see it in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 4. It says, love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs, love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth, it always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres, love never fails. We said this is a picture of God's love, but I think oftentimes, and I've said this throughout the series, oftentimes when we read these verses we read those verses as verses that epitomize the way we need to be, right? You know, love is patient, so I need to be patient. Love is kind. And that's absolutely a true understanding of that verse. But if God is love, then what we've said is, is this verse is not only a definition of how we should live, but it's also a, 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 a pretty good definition of who God is. If God is love, as love is this, then we could read these verses this way. God God is patient, God is kind, God does not envy, God does not boast, God is not proud, God does not dishonor others, God is not self-seeking, God is not easily angered, God keeps no record of wrongs, God, God does not delight in evil but rejoices with the truth, God always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres, God never fails. Everybody say, God never fails. Amen. If you stick with him, he will never fail you. So what we've done is we've gone through these verses and looked at each one of these definitions of what love is. And therefore, this is a good picture of what God is. We've said God is patient. He is patient with a lost world. If you have not accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, he's not angry with you. He is patiently waiting for you and lovingly waiting for you to to, to really accept that free gift and have a personal relationship with him and become a child of God. Not only that, but after we get born again, I think sometimes we begin to think that God grows impatient with us because how many of you realize God's still working on us in some areas, right? Right? I mean, we may be called the righteousness of God when we get born again at that very moment. We are His righteousness. But there is a sanctification that we, we walk out in our daily life of becoming more like Him. How many of you ever fell short of being like Jesus? Amen? Well, you know, I think sometimes as believers, we think God gets impatient with us. We think He gets angry with us. But He's patient with us as well. If He'd be patient with us as a sinner, why would He not as a child, as one that He paid for us to be born again, right? To be His child, why would He not be patient with us as believers as well? So God is patient. We've said God is kind. You know, when I think of that word kind, I think of tender and endearing. You know, that God is this warm, kind individual. I think sometimes people struggle with seeing him that way. And then we've said God doesn't envy. You know, when when we envy things, sometimes we envy, you know, uh, someone else's success or what they have. God is not envious of our success. Matter of fact, he's rooting for your success. And so God is not envious. And then we said God doesn't boast. He's not going to embellish the truth. He's just going to tell you like it is. And, and sometimes when he tells you like it is, it may be correction for our lives. But sometimes how I many of you realize when he tells you like, well, like it is, it's a promise. And it's an unbelievable promise, right? Maybe more than you can even fathom in your natural mind. But when God comes to you through his word and gives you a promise that is, that is exceedingly abundantly above all you could ask or think, you can rest assured about this with God. He is not boasting, he is not embellishing the truth. He is telling you exactly what he will do for you. And so God is not boastful. You can count on him. And then we said God is not self-seeking. We pointed out, well, we said God will, will treat not treat you dishonorably. You know, even when we mess up, God's going to tender, be tender towards us and love us and treat us respectfully. Why? Because we are that pearl of great price that he's seeking. He loves us just that much. And then we said, last of all, God is not self-seeking. He's not a God that, you know, he has his plan and we're just uh, chess pieces on a chessboard that he's manipulating around. No, the Bible teaches us that God created us to love us. And everything he does in our lives is to express to us love. It is very selfless what he's doing. Even his plan is all designed to bring us to a place where he can show the, the abundance of his love to us. And so God is not self-seeking. The only self-seeking sense of that is is that he wants to love you so much that he is seeking that, right? That he is after you and seeking you. Now today, I want to talk to you about a happy God. Everybody say happy God. First Corinthians chapter 13 and verse five says this. It says, love is not easily angered. Or we could say God is not easily angered. God keeps no record I want you to notice that God is not easily angered. So what that tells me is this. If he's not easily angered, then predominantly he is always happy, (laughs) right? He is a happy God. And as we approach the new year, I'd like to do a checkup to make sure that as you view him throughout the course of the coming days and the rest of your life, that you view God as a happy God. Not an angry God, because it says he's not angry. You know, I fear that most people don't view God as a happy God. I think somewhere deep down in the recesses of their heart, they believe in some sense of the word that God is angry with them. I believe that they, they see God as this picture. Go ahead and throw it up there if you don't mind. I, how many of you remember the Wizard of Oz? How many of you remember the great and powerful Oz, Right? I think most people view God that way deep down in their hearts. Even in a church like this where we teach God loves you, I believe deep down in our hearts we think that one misstep and God is angry with us. He's ready to blow smoke and billow fire. I think most people see God that way. And it makes for a very burdensome existence if that's what you believe God is. Because you're going to live under the burden of trying to measure up to his perfection. But how many of you realize we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God? How many of you realize that? And and that's the reason Jesus died to save us. God loved us so much because he wasn't an angry God. He wanted to help us and he wanted to save us. And yet I really do believe that people struggle with this deep-seated view of an easily angry God. You know, we just came through Christmas, and I think people view Santa Claus, a fictitious character, Santa Claus, as more jovial than God. You know, you think about Santa Claus, he's laughing, he's happy, and they view him more happy than God. But what we're going to find out today is this, is that God is not easily angered, and if he's not easily angered, then that means that, very, that, that it takes a lot to get him to that point, right? So then most of the time, he's not angry, right? Most of it, what's the hap- what's the opposite of being not angry? Being happy, right? Now, that does not mean that God does not get angry. Because notice it says he's not easily angered. So there are things that anger God. And, and you know, if we, th- if we look through Scripture, predominantly we'll see this manifest in the Old Testament. We see that God is angered with wickedness. God is angered with disobedience. God is angered with dishonesty. God is angered with injustice that takes place. And we, as I said, we see this anger most often displayed in the Old Covenant. We see him getting angry, and we see that anger uh, uh, causing him to move in certain ways towards humanity. And in the Old Covenant, we understand that, right? He, he was angered. Why was he angry? Well, first of all, I, mean, I think he's angry for the same reason we would get angry over wickedness. And I think the scripture testifies to this. I mean, we're angry when something bad happens or an injustice happens. Why? Because of the pain it causes others and the potential pain it could cause the actual transgressor, right? I mean, how many of you, many of you ever, if you've ever, you know, uh, you know it's, it's so, you know, uh, the news, just you, you, the instant something happens, you can hear about it, right? And we've become so desensitized to horrific things now because it's all over the news all the time. But you know, if you, if you ever, if you hear about an injustice, you know, of, of, of maybe a criminal doing something really harmful to a child, I of mean, you're on the inside of you. Doesn't that make your blood boil? Doesn't that make you angry? So God does get angry over wickedness, and he does get angry over the things, but it's not because he's necessarily even angry at the individual. He's angry over the pain it causes, and he's angry also because of this especially in the Old Covenant, he's angry because he's a just God. And when wickedness happens, a just God is required to dish out justice and even punishment at times. And we see that in the Old Covenant. And a God that, think about it for a minute. You ever heard, you ever heard a parent say, this is going to hurt me more than hurt you when you have to spank your kid? If you still spank your kid. Some people don't do that anymore. Um, but how many of you remember having that said to you, Right? There was a frustration, there was an anger almost in the parent that says, I'm, I'm disappointed, i got to do that. Why? Because I love you and I don't want to do this. See, we didn't understand that when God gets angry, it's not because he's angry at the individual. It's a, he's angry because of the consequences of what that causes. It causes pain for others, it causes pain for that person, and it puts him in a position where he has to, especially in the Old Covenant, as a matter of fact, in the Old Covenant, where he was required to dish out... Justice for the wickedness and it put him in a spot where he had to Issue punishment for sin when he his heart really didn't want to Right because he loved people and we see that clearly in the Old Covenant Ezekiel chapter 33 and verse 11 we see this frustration this anger that 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 does develop in the heart of God It says say to them as I live declares the Lord I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked Notice he has no pleasure. Well, if he has no pleasure, then that means he's getting angry about it, right? He has no pleasure. I'm angry over the death of the wicked. But the wicked but that the wicked turn from his ways and live, turn back, turn back from your evil ways, for why will you die, O house of Israel? Notice God didn't take pleasure in wickedness or the pain that wickedness caused. See so notice what he says there. He says, "I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked. So what is he angry with? Is he angry with the wicked or is he angry with the death? According to scripture, he's angry with the death of the wicked, right? He's angry over the consequences. He gets frustrated and and, and angry when someone sins because he realizes the wages of sin is truly death. And he goes on to say, but I wish you would not do that. Why? So that you wouldn't have to experience that pain. God is angered over transgression because of the harm it causes. And because that reproach requires him to issue judgment. But here's the good news for us this morning. According to the scripture, now in the day in which we're living, because of what Jesus did, he is not an angry God because he, does not have to, he is not forced to dish out judgment and punishment upon a sinful person because of what Jesus did there will come a day if someone doesn't accept his forgiveness that that judgment will be unleashed again but because of Jesus we are not set up to deal with an angry God it all changed the moment Jesus died on that cross and shed his blood for us and this morning we can know as as Shannon was even singing this morning he's not angry with you he's not upset with you when you misstep he's not even angry His heart hurts if it's going to cause you pain, but he's not angry. Notice 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 9. It says, God didn't set us up for his angry rejection, but for salvation by our master, Jesus Christ. The salvation provided by Jesus removed any cause for his anger. It sets us up to have a relationship with a happy God, not an angry God. Go back to the image of that great and powerful Oz. This is the image most people have. If you don't mind. There you go. That's the image most people have of God. But let me show you the picture and the image you should have of God every time you think again. Go ahead and show it. Go to the next picture. There it is. Look at that. That is the God that we serve today. That is the God that you should have a picture of in your mind, and yet I really don't believe most people see Him this way. I really don't believe that. I believe most people, even in Bible, let me tell you one of the reasons why. How many of you want to please God? How many of you want to do what's right? You know, Paul dealt with that frustration. He said, "I do what I don't want to do, and I don't do what I whatever." You know, but he basically said, "I don't want." You know, a lot of times I'm doing what I don't want to do. And then he's, he's frustrated with himself. And because we're frustrated with ourselves, we think God is frustrated with us. We think God is angry with us. But the Bible says he's not easily angered. When we come to him in our sin and in perfection, when we come to him with our needs and our wants, it's not, oh man, i got to help them. this. Is what we, this is what we should be seeing. A God that's laughing and excited that you're coming to him. See, that would tell me, notice that phrase, it says, you know, when we talk about 1 Corinthians, it says, love is not easily angered. That word means not easily provoked or not irritable. You ever met somebody that's irritable? You ever been around somebody like that? Ooh, that ain't no fun, is it? Afraid you, you gotta walk on eggshells, afraid you're gonna offend them. Don't look at anybody right now if you're sitting next to that type of person, right? Just pray for them that they'd be more like Jesus. But it's no fun being around a person like that. And, 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 and God is not that way. He's not easily provoked. He's not irritable. His resting, here, here, this is really good. His resting disposition, right? Who is he most often? His resting disposition is not one that is curmudgeoned, cranky, and ill-tempered, and it gets ticked off at the slightest misstep. That is not the God we serve. He does not have have the disposition of the great and powerful laws. I can promise you that. He has a disposition of joyfulness and laughter and love. 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 9 through 11. I'm going to read to you an interesting portion of scripture that's going to help us understand this happy God I want us to understand. Verse 9 says, we also know that the law was, made for the, was not made for the righteous, but for lawbreakers and rebels. So what he's saying there is, is God gave us a law for those that would do wrong so they could know that doing wrong would hurt you, basically. <laughs> he, says, he says, but we also know that the law was made not for righteous, but for the lawbreakers and rebels. Notice he, the, just the, the plethora of sin here. Lawbreakers and rebels, the ungodly and sinful, the unholy, the ir- irreligious for those who would kill their fathers or mothers, for murderers, for the sexually immoral, for those practicing homosexuality, for slave traders and liars and perjurers, and for whosoever else is contrary to sound doctrine that conforms to the gospel concerning the glory of the blessed God which he entrusted to me. Notice in the context of all this sin, all this wrongdoing, Paul chooses to use the phrase at the end of verse 11, The blessed God. It would seem like to me, you know, as a matter of fact, that word blessed is the same word that is used when Jesus was on the Sermon on the Mount. How many remember the Sermon on the Mount? Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers, blessed are the meek, right? He said that, right? He used that same word blessed that Paul used here. And if you look up that word blessed, even in some translations, that word blessed is translated happy. Happy is the peacemaker. Happy is the one who is meek. So we would be doing no disservice to say that this phrase, the blessed God, could also be the happy God. And in the midst of, here's the interesting thing to me, in the midst, you know, it, just, it just, how many really the Holy Spirit knew what he was doing when he inspired Paul to choose the phrase the blessed God, the happy God? In the midst of all this sin, Paul chooses to still characterize God as a happy God, it would seem like to me he would talk about an angry God, right? It would seem like to me this phrase should read, you know, uh, contrary to sound doctrine that conforms to the gospel of the glory of an angry God. Why? Because all this sin doesn't conform, right? But what this verse says is in the midst of all this sin, God is still happy. Why is he still happy? Is he happy because everybody's sinning? No, that's not why he's happy. We've already seen that wickedness causes anger to rise in him. So what would cause the anger to be quelled in him in the midst of all of this sin and cause him to be characterized as a happy God in the New Testament, in the new covenant that we have? The old covenant, we see the anger of God rising up, even if it became full in a certain generation. I mean, him pouring out his fury upon people. Like the great and powerful us. But now we don't see that. Notice the following verse, the gospel concerning the glory of the happy God. Everybody say the gospel. That word gospel is the word, if if you've been around church very much, you know what it means. Church is named after it, right? It means good news. Everybody say good news. So he says, all these people living in sin, you know, this is what I want you to understand, that there is a God that is happy because of the gospel, right? Well, what is the gospel? What is the good news of the gospel? How many of you realize that the gospel tells you you can be forgiven by God, right? You can be right with God. You can be healed by God. You can be prospered by God. You can be blessed by God. The good news is you don't have to be lost in your sins. The good news is you don't have to be sick. You can be healed. You don't have to be po' no more, right? You can be be prospered by God. That is the good news of the gospel. And encapsulated in that good news of the gospel, we find the essence of a happy God. God is happy. Here it comes. You ready for this? God is happy because of Jesus and what he did. He does not have to punish anymore. He can now bless and heal and prosper and help when people are in the midst of that very sin that that verse talks about. He is called a happy God because in an old covenant, he was required to pour out judgment because he he was limited in how much he could bless. But when Jesus died on a cross for our sin, he removed the sin that would anger and frustrate a God that very much is a holy God, so that he was free now to do what he loves to do the most, and that is to bless you and help you. God is a happy God because the essence of the gospel now has eliminated the requirement for anybody that will accept Christ, for, or eliminate the requirement for him to punish or judge sin. We see it in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 20. It says, and through the intervention of the Son, he made peace with believers through the blood of his cross. So what does that mean? That means that because of the blood of Jesus as Kathy was even talking about, as I believe the Spirit of God inspired her to say that. Because of the blood of Jesus, the sin has been removed in our lives that would anger God. So that now there is no record of wrongdoing. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 5. I think these two verses, when we look at the description of God, need to be coupled together. It says, love is not easily angered. Love keeps no record of wrongs. You want to know why God is not easily angered? Because he's not keeping record of your wrongs because of the blood of Jesus. Because of the blood of Jesus, he's not angry with you. He's happy because now he gets to display mercy, favor without reservation to all that will accept his free gift of salvation. Micah chapter 7 and verse 8 says, Who is a God like you? who pardons sin and forgives the transgression of the remnant of his inheritance. You do not stay angry forever, but delight in showing mercy. Notice what turns his anger to delight and joyfulness. It is the ability to show mercy and to bless. Jeremiah 32 and verse 40, 41, Jeremiah prophesying the, the voice of God says this. This is God speaking this. Oh, how I delight in doing good things for them see you want to know why God is happy because he is free now because of the blood of Jesus to do good things for you instead of harm good to bless you instead of curse to to uh, forgive you instead of judge you he's ecstatically happy he is not this fire breathing smoke billowing great and powerful laws that gets mad when you do wrong When you make a mistake, he is clapping his hands, happy, saying, Come here, I want to help you because I get to help you. I don't have to judge you now. Right? That's the kind of happy God that he is. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 12 says, Because of Christ and our faith in him, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. We don't have to come to him like the cowardly lion came to the Wizard of Oz. Right? (laughs) Right Scared. And I think many people approach God that way. They don't see Him as the jovial, happy, laughing, smiling God that is clap His hands happy that you're coming, regardless of your perfection or imperfection. You know, I think sometimes he, we think where he's clapping his hands happy over us when we've done right and we're coming to Him. But even that is wrong. Because God is not judging you by your performance anymore. Because of Jesus, Jesus has already performed. He gave you his report card. And whether you're living right or whether you're messing up, when you turn and come toward him, he is is jovial about it. He's ecstatic about it. So much so, why? Because now he can profusely and abundantly do what he loves to do, bless. Notice in Luke chapter 4, verse 18 and 19, Jesus declared this was the day that he came to establish, a day where we didn't have to serve an angry God over our sins, but we could serve a happy, jovial God that's glad to see us. Luke chapter 4, and verse 18 says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me. And we could read through all of those blessings of the gospel. But verse 19 says this. And this is in the Amplified. To proclaim the accepted and acceptable year of the Lord. The day when salvation and the favors, not the anger, of God profusely abounds. See, we need to understand this morning that God is not looking at us. I don't care where you've been. I don't care what you've done. He's not looking at you angrily this morning. I don't care how good you've been. He's not judging you on your perfection. He's just happy that you're coming. He is the happy, jovial God. Amen? As the musicians come, I want to close with this portion of Scripture to help give us a rounded out picture of this happy God, this not easily angered God. Zephaniah chapter 3 and verse 17 it says, the Lord thy God in the midst of thee is mighty. Now, if you stopped right there, we might just stop with the image of the great and powerful laws, right? Mighty, mighty, mighty God. But then it says this, it says, he will save, he will rejoice over you. You realize this morning that God is rejoicing over you with joy? <laughs> He's clapping his hands, dancing over you this morning. Ready to bless you. It says, He will rejoice over your joy. He will, he will rest in His love, and He will joy over thee with singing. He is a happy God. I can promise you this happier and more jovial than jolly old St. Nick, for sure. Rejoice. That word rejoice there, it says to exuberantly exalt and display joy. So think about this for a minute. To exuberantly exalt. You ever, you ever exuberantly exalted over something? I, you know, I think one of the best ones is, um, you know, we went to the Virginia Tech game this year. When they were scoring, we were exuberantly exalting, right? We were shouting and yelling. You know, when God sees us coming, he's not like, oh, I'm so, they're so precious. No, he's like, ah, here comes somebody I love that I can bless. He's exuberantly rejoicing. That joy is that word gladness or happiness. There it is, happiness. A smiling God. Do we have an image of a smiling God on us? And then that word says joy over that Joy over thee is really an interesting word. It's a phrase, joy over thee. It means to quake and tremble due to happiness. You ever been so happy you just, oh my God. That's the God we serve. He loves us just that much. He's not angry. He is a happy God. He's ecstatic, over the moon happy. All because of this. Because Jesus removed the sin that would invoke his anger and justice. And now he can be abundantly and unrestrictedly happy towards us. And all we have to do is receive it. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 5 says, Love is not easily angered. Love keeps no record of wrongs. That is our happy God. Put that image back up there again if you don't mind. The image of a happy Jesus. I pray as you enter 2024, every time you think of God, in your rightness and in your wrongness. You see that. That may not be the exact image of who he is, but you see the happiness. You see the joy he has in you coming to him. You see how much he loves you. You see how excited he is when you have a problem that it's not like, oh, another problem, I gotta help him with. No, it's I get to help them. I get to forgive them. I get to love them. I get to wrap my arms around them. That is the happy God that we serve, amen? So what I want to do to ring in 2024 is this very simply. I want us to stand to our feet and I want us to take a moment to worship the image of a happy God. Because that's who he is. Happy because of Jesus. Happy because he made a way to look upon us with favor and grace and blessing and goodness. And he's free to give that to us now in an unrestricted manner. Amen. Shannon, if you just lead us, let's worship the Lord right now. Amen.
0: Oh, I've heard a thousand, thousand stories of what they think your life. Oh, I've heard the tender whisper of love in the dead of night, and you tell Come on. me Come on. that you're Come pleased and that I. Never alone. You're a good, My good father. father. Come on. It's who you are. Oh, you're happy with us.
1: Boy.
0: It's who you are. that we're here. It's who you are, and I'm loved by you. It's who I am. It's who I am. It's who I am. You're a good. perfect in all of your ways to us. You're a good good father. It's who you are. It's It's who you are. It's who you are. And I'm so loved by you. It's who I am. It's who I am. It's who I am. You're a good, good father It's who you are It's who you are It's who you are And I'm so loved by you it's who, I it's who I am It's who I am It's who I am You're a good, good father
1: If you're here this morning, every head bowed, every eye closed And you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life Maybe you thought God was angry with you. He's not. If you've never accepted him as your personal Lord and Savior, and you desire to do that right now this morning for the very first time, would you lift your hand toward heaven and say, I want to receive this God that is happy with me because Jesus shed his blood for me. Anyone at all, would you raise your hand? Anyone at all and wait just a moment. Amen. Okay, I believe we're all believers here. Then we all have a reason to rejoice this morning we serve a happy ecstatic god who is dancing and rejoicing over us to bless us and profusely pour out his goodness in our lives i pray as you think about god and you think about life you as you approach this new year, you embrace this mindset that this happy, jovial, all-powerful God is standing behind me, rooting me on, helping me. That is the God I serve. Not an angry and easily angered God, but a happy God. Father, I thank you so much for each person here. I thank you so much. We don't want to Just go through the motions. if, If there's something more you want to do, Lord, we want to do that. If not, we don't want to belabor it. But I'm just asking you to have your way here this morning amongst us. As we sing this through one more time, looking into the face of a laughing, happy God that we're here, a jovial, ecstatic Savior, and a happy, loving Father that we've approached Him this morning. That you'd have your way in our lives, that you'd touch, that you'd help, that you'd bless. Shannon, let's sing that through one more time. Thank you, Lord Jesus.
0: You're a good, good Father to you all.
1: Thank you so much that you love us. Thank you for showing us that truly you are a holy God and wickedness does not please you, but because of the blood of Jesus, all of that obstacle has been removed and you look upon us with joy. That you're a happy God that's not easily angered, not irritable, not (laughs) cranky. You laugh when we come. There's never a moment when you shake your head and say, "Man, what a mistake they made." No, you just laugh cuz you get the chance to bless us. That's the God of love that you are. We thank you for that, Lord. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. For your character. That that's not something you choose to do. That's who you are. It's your nature to look at us and laugh and be happy because you can bless us. I thank you for it, Father. If you're here this morning and you wanted someone to actually pray with you, physically pray with you at the conclusion of the service, there'll be a couple prayer partners over here. Uh, Just make your way to the front. They'll pray with you. But, man, I just pray for 2024, you carry that image of Jesus. Throw that up again. Let's let people exit with that, that you carry that image of Jesus, You know, that's the picture of Jesus. Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I don't know what the Father looks like, but I can tell you this. The attitude behind that picture is the way he looks at you. He loves you, and he's happy and thrilled, and that's the God you serve. Amen? Amen. Let me pray a prayer blessing over you. Father, thank you so much for each person here. Thank you that you love them. Thank you for letting this set down deep on the inside of them. Oh, that it would uproot the deep seated things we've heard about an angry God and replace it with the image of a happy, jovial God. For you are the happy God because of Jesus making a way for you to display your goodness instead of judgment. Thank you, Father pray your blessing over each person here. I thank you for your angels camped about them, keeping them safe. I thank you, Father, for a blessed and prosperous new year that as they look to the coming year, they look to it with anticipation and hope. Hope in you, Father, regardless of circumstances, whether they come or whether they go. Hope in a God that loves, loves us so much that he is working behind the scenes to set us up for success. I thank you for that, Father. I pray your blessing upon your people. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. Well, God bless you all. Have a blessed, blessed New Year, and we will see you hopefully Wednesday night as Patrick Sutherland ministers to us. Amen. God bless.
0: Thanks for listening to our Grace Family Church podcast. We really hope you enjoyed this message. If this ministry has blessed you in any way, we would love for you to get connected. Just go to gfcva.info to learn more about who we are, how to give to this ministry, or how you can get involved. Thanks again for listening, and we hope to see you soon.